everybody. Welcome to another edition of The Focus TV. Man, there's so much we have to get done in today's show. So we're going to try to get through all of this. Oh, my gosh. So we got NBA Finals we're going to talk about. Cardell told us at the end of last show what he would be doing over the weekend. NBA, NBA PA, Top 100 Camp. I messed that up, didn't I? NBA, NBA PA, yep. Top 100 Camp. Um, got some Mystics updates for DC United. And we're going to go through the first round of, you know, this week's 2019 NBA draft. We're going to sit here and put our heads together. We already separately did our little homework. We're going to see where we go in terms of uh, how crazy it gets after the first two picks. Uh, <laughs> this is a tough one here. It, I, I think I speak for almost everyone. There's a lot of uncertainty around this, this year with draft night, especially anticipating all different types of moves. All the misinformation we've already heard thus far, it, it's only going to get crazier as we get closer. So we can't talk about the draft really without, you know, talking about the way this season culminated with the Toronto Raptors as the 2019 NBA champions. Um, you guys want to share your thoughts on, you know, uh, Toronto making history or whatnot? Um, definitely. Uh, starting with just to kind of, I know, because we haven't touched on the final since last week, and last week when we were here, we hadn't had a champion yet. So first off, got to give a speedy recovery out to Clay Thompson, who did suffer a, a ACL injury. Um, that was tough for them. Um, I feel like that kind of determined the game for them early, honestly. But um, you can't, I, I heard some rumblings, people were putting an asterisk on the Raptors win, which I think is ridiculous because the only thing they can do is go out there and play against the players that are out there and win, and that's what they did. So you got to give them their props. You can't try to put an asterisk <laughs> on it. They played who was in front of them, and they won. That's all that matters. And um, shout-out to Kawhi. You know, he he did what nobody has done out there in Toronto, brought them a championship in his first season. Um, he had a great year, you know, after, of course, sitting out all last year, basically, and – they they held together. Van Vliet was very, very strong for them in that series, um, top to bottom. You know, he had a lot of big shots in game six that, you know, if he didn't hit, who knows, you know, we would have had another game on, on this past Sunday. And it shows, you know, that to me, that it showed them coming together as a team. And like we talked about previously a lot with um, other players saying chemistry doesn't matter, you can see that they were getting their chemistry underway from the beginning of the season all the way down to the end. And it proved, you know, they have a dog in Kawhi, and they let Kawhi lead, and they followed. You know, Kyle Lowry started the game off, like, on fire. You could tell he was locked in. He wanted that win, and that's what they needed. And, shout, you know, shout out to them. You know, I, say, I sat here and said that I couldn't pick anybody else until somebody knocked off the Warriors, and they did. That's what they were supposed to do, and they came out there, and they win. They won. Um, Siakam had a great year as well. Um, I don't know if anybody else didn't pay attention, but he should be the most approved player of the year with the um, awards coming up in the next week or two. And they did what they had to do. It, it's unfortunate on the Golden State side that they had as many injuries as they had. They have to kind of really think about what they're going to do next year with it's projected already Katie to miss all of next year and, and Clay to miss, all, miss a lot of next year, if not all. So it's going to be a tough road for them to come back. But just like Draymond Green said in his interview, you know, for people to count them out is crazy, which I agree. You know, it's a system that they built there in Golden State that they just got to find and they have to have the next man up mentality 
for them to come back stronger next year. But Toronto got to, you know, they, they put a little bullseye on their back. People looking at them now, they realize how good of a team they are top to bottom. Their bench helped them a lot in this series, which they needed to, especially games when maybe Kawhi was a little bit off or Siakam was a little bit off. Um, Ibaka came through, you know, and as well as uh, Marcus All getting his first. And also being the first pair of brothers to win an NBA championship with him and Powell. Um, that's a lot, you know, that's a lot to say. Like, there's a lot of brother pairings in the NBA. And to say that you and your brother are the only two that both won a championship, that's, that's a big feat. So you can't take anything away from them. They had a great season and they capped it off. They had, you know, I can't believe if they were, yeah, they had the best record, you know, in the home, in the um, regular season. And they proved why they should win. So congratulations to them. I mean, like I said, you know, when we first started, I said, you know, without KD, it's not going to go like how people think, thought it was going to go. Um, and that was because of their death and their, their length, which you saw against the Warriors. Um, obviously, Clay went down. You know, they were swooping and stuff like that. But even then, when they don't have KD, they're a totally different team. Mm -hmm. And they put so much pressure on Steph and Clay to have to, like I said, they had a, they had a score average like 30 for them to have a legit chance to win. And because you, you didn't know quite what you was going to get with Boogie. And I think it was kind of, you know, I know he's a big-time player, but it's unfair for him to try to look at him as possibly being Superman for this series because he's not even been as deep. He's not even played a playoff game to this year. Mm -hmm. So he, you don't understand what the atmosphere is like until you're in it. Um, so the scoring would have to come from somewhere else. I know that, you know, the final game, you know, Eagle Dollar stepped up with 22, but really it just came down to – their bench was just better. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, you know, the final game, the Warriors bench only scored 20 points, and Cousins had, you know, 12 of them. Van Vliet had 22 by himself. He outscored them. Then you had 15 from Ibaka. That, 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 you know, that extra boost off the bench combined with Shockham having 26, Kyle Lowry having 26. Kawhi didn't even really need to go off like that, 22. Basically, in the final game, him and Steph, Shoot percentage-wise and, and production, they pretty much canceled each other out. They got nothing from Gasol and got nothing from Danny Green and, and still got the edge and won. You know, that's just what it comes down to. And what people don't understand about that length and versatility, it wears you down. It's kind of like uh, you're in a boxing ring, somebody, okay, you got good defense. Well, I'm going to hit your body and I'm going to wear you down until your arms start coming down. Then I'm going to go for your head and try to knock you out. It's the same thing they're doing. They just stuck with it. You know, they the Warriors. Was hot before Clay went out. They was on. They had the lead and everything like that. And then, you know, once he went down, you, you just kind of saw basically we going double boxing mm -hmm. one stuff. Yeah. And there's somebody else to beat us, and no one can step up and hit enough shots. I know people saying, well, Draymond should have tried to do it. That's not really his game, you know. And um, you need, so to ask him to kind of get out of character at this stage is not is not him, you know. What I'm saying? So. It just took, it just, you know, a lot of unfortunate incidents, but that's part of the game. You know, I'm not going to sit up here for no asterisks next to nothing because at the end of the day, you know, it was other teams that played, and I'm pretty sure they would love to get that championship. There's a lot of players that would love to get that championship. So, you know, you can't, you got to just give respect where the respect is due. Toronto Raptors pushing them, and they beat them when they were all there. You know what I'm saying? Not necessarily KD, but they beat them when they were all there at home. They, they, they won. They they went through the grind. They won tough series against the Bucks, the Sixers, and all that. Like um, number one seed, can't take nothing away from. Them. Hopefully Kawhi stays. Yeah, I mean, there's not really much for me to add. <laughs> you guys said. Um, yeah, we just got to get out of this habit of trying to 
um, take away from people that accomplish things. Um, it's like a culture, it's literally the culture right now. Mm-hmm. There's no reason to put asterisks in anybody's championship. I'll tell you, you made a wonderful point. You can't control who gets hurt. It's not up to you. Um, I don't think anything Danny Green did was like malicious. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it, you know what I'm saying? If it was malicious, that's a different conversation. That's not even who Danny Green is, right? So it's a part of sports, man, it happens. Uh, bottom line, you know, uh, Toronto's here. We, you mentioned the big decisions on, or the big things that have to happen on the Golden State side. Toronto too. Yeah. Either Kawhi stays or like without Kawhi, you got to figure it out, right? Oh uh, yeah, start and, all over. <laughs> I mean, they're in a good position either way, but that's a, you know, like Cardell, you said, there's a couple people when, when they move, the league feels it, right? And so, he will be one, especially after this. Yeah, I mean, we, we felt it the first time he left. You know, just I don't know if everybody was ready to admit it, but now, you know, he, he just remind, he lets you know for sure. Felt it when he came. I was like, man, well, I'm like, dang, what is like? Like that whole old feeling of the Raptors never materialized for the entire year. And, and uh-huh. this is no shot at, uh-huh. you know, guys in like the role. Because like, all-star, you got to respect this game. Uh-huh. But people got to start pumping certain players at a certain level up to be superstars. He's a superstar. All they basically did was just switch down. Yeah. And you see the results. You see what I'm saying? So, and then what also killed me was people saying, well, the Raptors ain't really had nobody. They, you got this group that kind of overcredits Kawhi. I know it's impact, but you realize this is the same team outside of the Rosen gone. This is the same team that went to the Eastern Conference Finals and, and lost to LeBron, went to the semifinals. Well, you know, like, they was, they was yeah, like they've been through wars. But you got to think about it. These are also the same people that don't understand, you know, that that don't comprehend the part of when a team builds things correctly. Mm-hmm. So I'm not really yeah, surprised that this, they don't get it. Yeah, we right here in this, yeah, you know, hot take everything, microwave, yo, go get that play, get that play. Nah, why don't you build and be yeah, able to contend for years and years? Yeah, develop. That's what they did with Shockham. Yeah. You know, Van Vliet was undrafted. That's what they've done. And they don't even understand young fella couldn't even play because he was injured, and that's OG Anobi, yeah. who's another one that was in 6'9 wings. Like, so he's going to be back next year. So, you know, they better, you know, Kawhi stays and they and they help, man. Look, I mean, I don't. I, I just don't see why he would leave, man. You I know, don't need just, at this point. You the, you the king up there. You the man. And you like. I know you like it. It's, there's no reason to leave and start over. Have to rebuild all that. But that's a decision he's gonna have to make. But if he stays, it's issues. And that's why I, I don't understand all this. One player get moved to L.A. to play with old boy, and it's just like they're just, they're the favorites to win. I'm like, excuse me. Then we just so disrespectful. Like a few days after they won the chip. It was just... So disrespectful. I mean, the other thing is, you know, I think, and I've said this a couple of times to you, like the thing that's really irked my nerves is the dynasty's over. The only thing that stopped was a three-peat, right? Mm-hmm. Last time I checked, San Antonio's been in contention for like two decades. Yeah. Right? And even when they don't win, what happens? They retool, they retool, retool. And now going to stay in a position, it sucks because of the injuries, but you're literally in a prime position to do what Toronto did. I trust your depth. Exactly. You get a whole year to develop them alongside the two guys that are healthy, you know, your core guys, and you go about your business. But we're going to get into that a little bit later with the mock draft later in today's show. But on to the Washington Mystics. All right, so they hosted the Storm. You know, the Storm is the team that swept them in the WMA finals last year. Uh, obviously, no Stewie, she's out for the year. The Storm still, you know, we're talking about the championship DNA, we're talking about. You know, the NBA Finals, we saw, you know, championship-level resiliency. Uh, Seattle showed it. Washington did almost everything right outside of Christy Tyler getting ejected literally in the first quarter with two quick technicals. But they built, they built up a 13-point lead at home in their new arena 
late in the game, again, they were up by double digits, and then just they went super cold, and Seattle really stepped it up on defense, and then you saw what a championship team does. While Washington couldn't get points, Seattle, they made them pay for each possession that they couldn't get a bucket. So that combination right there, you just saw Seattle whittle it down little by little by little. And it kind of turned into a panic thing with Christie off the floor, where it's kind of like we just talked about what life was like for Steph without some of the other bigger guns on the floor. And for Elena, where nobody really wanted to seize that moment, or at times, Coach brought up that it felt like at times players were trying to do too much in that moment instead of just, you know, staying the course. And it resulted in a two-point loss to the reigning champs. Uh, Natasha Howard was huge. Uh, it was a pick and roll between her and Jewel Lloyd that, you know, resulted in a foul line jumper for Jewel, and she's going to knock that down. Uh, so for Washington, you know, last couple games, it's been a struggle. Uh, they're four and three now after winning four straight. They lost two straight. Uh, tonight, they're in Los Angeles to take on the Sparks, who get all who get all world Candace Parker back. She makes her debut uh, tonight against Washington. Then they got a matchup with the Aces. They return back to the East Coast to take on Atlanta and Chicago. As far as the standings go, what this means for Washington in the league, Connecticut stays where they are. They're eight and one start. Remember, Chicago kind of got off to that rough start, kind of teetering. They've won three straight. They're four and two. Uh, Las Vegas is four and three. The Sparks four and three, as are the Mystics. Seattle's five and four. Indiana's four and four. Minnesota's four and five. After a quick start, they've lost four straight. Uh, the Liberty are three and five. The Mercury are two and four. Dallas and Atlanta are still one and five, and the Dreamers are still going through it. They're in the midst of a five-game losing streak. So that's what we have for WNBA. Uh, Cardell, NBA, MBPA. I, I keep messing this up. So I'm going to be quiet and let you do it. All right, man. Like I said, last week, uh, had a pleasure, once again, and them bringing me back to the MBPA Top 100 camp, basically the Top 100 players by class. Uh, the reason why I love this event kind of eliminates the politics out of everything. Um, they kind of keep an eye on guys through high school through the early part of the AAU season. They select guys, obviously, who are talented, but you know, represent qualities that they feel will boost college programs and ultimately get them in the pros. And it's not just the average camp. You just roll the balls on and play and being coached by NBA players, current and former, uh, with some of the top high school coaches in the country right next to them as assistants. And it's kind of like a tutorial where they kind of groom not just them, but their families on the process of evaluating colleges and possibly evaluating the pros. Because if you get invited to this camp, you're on the radar again to the pros. You're on the fast track. And um, I'm just going to give people game that don't understand it. Something I had to learn, what kind of learned too late in college. All this stuff in your resume helps. Like the scout, NBA scouts and all that, they look back at all of this. Like people may think it's just a little cute little camp for this stage. Yeah, man, you know, he's one of the best now. Nah. It opens doors later on where they were, you know, maybe you don't have a great college career. Okay, stuff happens. Yo, he was at the MBPA Top 100 camp, McDonald's All-American, blah, blah, this, blah, blah, that. And you get workouts and you get opportunities where the other guys who may not have been there and didn't have great college careers, you know, they kind of on the outside looking at it. So it's a, you know, and it's over a few days, so you got to bring it every day. And, and another thing that they do, they reward guys who are consistent and play hard and, you know, some people try coming in, you know, kind of hot dog and, and or bring that entitlement stuff to it. Like, if you leave camp early, you could average 30 and be on some will stuff. If you leave camp early, you're not going to be all-star. <laughs> you got to finish the job. 
and the team that won the championship, they get a lot of rewards. A lot of rewards come, will come with that because that means you're a winner. You push through against the top talent in your, in your, you know, in high school right now. And it's not just seniors, it's juniors and some outstanding sophomores too. So, you know, you just got to, you know, keep with it. But I'm going to get started with the players right now. Um, the first one I'm going to look at is uh, Devin Askew, 6'3 point guard from Modern Day High School out of Cali, you know, going into his senior year. Uh, he's one of the rare guards that can dominate a game without scoring a point. Uh, his vision and passing ability is Jason Kidd, like not quite as flashy, but he, he looks to do the same that type of damage with his passing. And that's one thing that jumped out at me. Uh, you know, he actually led the Spurs to the championship. You know, he averaged 10.1 points, 4.6 assists, 2.7 rebounds, and only one turnover through, throughout the camp on 41% shooting from deep. Mm. Uh, has offers from Arizona, Louisville, Oregon, and many other offers, man. You know, he, he, he got it, man. You know what I'm saying? He got it. And I love the fact that he can dominate without scoring. It's refreshing when you see so many guards, especially this day and age, 50 crossovers and step backs. <laughs> it's, it's, it's routine. So that tells me he you know how to play the game, and he truly makes players better. Uh, another guard, Joe Bermizier, another all-star, 6'5", 195-pound guard out of Monica High School, uh, 2020 class, um, an aggressive score, relentless, um, sometimes too aggressive, you know. he. He'll shoot you in and shoot you out of a game. You know, you got to he got to learn when, but when he do that, he'll be fine. Uh, he feels no one can defend him. Uh, you can see how he attacks. Uh, his mentality is to keep defenders on the heels, and that, that's kind of what makes him special. Uh, he has great size to play the all guard, you know, 6'5", athletic and score on all three levels. But he shined in transition. When you, if he get in the open court, there's really nothing you can do except send him to the line. Uh, if you don't foul him hard, he's going to get the bucket or he's going to get the bucket and go to the free throw line. Uh, the next step for him is becoming more efficient and learn how to get others involved. He really doesn't look the pass at all. But the way he can score the ball is, is deadly. So, uh, you know, com he's committed to Northwestern. So that's where you can check him out after this upcoming season. Uh, the MVP, Paulo Manchero. He's going into his junior year, 6'9", 235-pound forward. Um, they, got, they had him listening to power forward, but his skill set definitely rings small forward. Uh, he was MVP of the camp and put on one of the best performances I, you know, since I've been coming. Definitely from what I heard, talk to other people in the last few years. Uh, he was dominated at times because of the damage he brought inside and at mid-range. You know, I, I mean, you heard a lot of whispers Ben Simmons, but he can actually shoot mid-range. You know, uh, he averaged 17.2 points, 5.8 rebounds, and three steals on 65% shooting from the field, 20% uh, from deep, and 87% from the charity strike. Like I said, he's one in his junior year. He just finished his temporary year. Yeah, yeah. Um, Man, you know, he put on the show. He ended his last two games. He ended things averaging 25 points, five rebounds, five steals on 73% shooting from the field and 94% shooting from the free throw line. Um, has offers from Duke, North Carolina, Kentucky, no burning. Yeah. And that's why he won MVP. It's pretty simple. Uh, Brandon Boston Jr., 6'6", 175-pound shooting guard out of Norcross High School down in Georgia. Uh, reminds me a lot of Brandon Ingram when I saw him in high school. He, but Ingram blew up kind of late. Uh, he got the same kind of build, length, and game, you know, kind of a point four game. Uh, has a 6'10 wingspan to be a shooting guard, but he's a magician scoring, making plays off the balance, man. When he gets the rock, it, it's bad, you know, the way he's shifty and the way he sees the floor, the way he can get to his spots and score. Uh, and he's also a pest defensively when he's locked in. Uh, it was evident because he had multiple games uh, where he had three or four steals in every game. Uh, getting stronger. And, Similar to Ingram, being a more efficient shooter from deep, well, you know, will honestly have him in top ten pick discussions. You know, after you know his first year of college, if he 
you know, elects to come out. Uh, he's that talented. He averaged 13.6 points, 4.3 rebounds, 2.7 assists on 49% shooting from the field, and 23% shooting from deep, 86% shooting from the line. And, uh, Duke and Kentucky have also offered him. R.J. Davis, Arc Bishop stepping at 6'1", point guard, 2020. Shifty point guard, bring that New York flair. You know, he, he got it, man. You know, he, he looked to shake you up, but he does it with a purpose. It's not that he just out there dancing, just staying in one spot. Uh, but what impressed me was his feel for the game and ability to control the pace is beyond his levels at a pro level already. <clears throat> uh, he routinely he uses quickness to make plays for others and to score the ball at a daily efficient rate. Uh, definitely a point guard to keep an eye on. You know, he averaged 13 points, but he shot the ball 50% from the field, 40% from three, and 87% from the free throw line. So he looks to score. He don't need a lot of shots to mess you up. Similar, you know, kind of like how Johnson, John Stockton was in the league. Uh, we had 2.4 assists and 2.1 rebounds. Have offers from Cincinnati, Maryland, Virginia, among others. Uh, a name that a lot of people around here definitely know about Zion Harmon. Another all-star place with Blue Williams. 5'11 point guard, Marshall County High. Uh, 2021 class, uh, early when I seen him coming up, buckets. That's all he, he was really about. But the transformation I saw in this camp was now he's a point guard that can make plays and score. Uh, it was real easy for him. Uh, he, he, it's point guards in the NBA that struggle getting guys involved and running a pick and roll for him. It's effortless. He averaged 11 points. He wasn't that efficient, but he, he, can, he can get there. 86% uh, from the free throw line, 41 from the field, 30 from three-point range, average 3.4 assists, 2.2 rebounds. But his poise and his playmaking is what I, I love to see because in the pick and roll, he's, he's nearly impossible to stop. Like, uh, it was one sequence where he fed his center, Eddie Lampkin, like so easily. My man scored four straight possessions. Like It was the same play. They tried to make adjustments. It was, nope, okay, I see what you're doing. One pass, right in the right scoring position. All he had to do was just finish. It was easy, man. And you know, and you know when you getting us in the crowd, wow, like, oh, man, like just off a of passing, you know what it is. And But he also kept the defenders honest by shaking them up and hitting step-back threes and stuff like that. It's just like, what can you do? So, you know, it's definitely all coming together for him. And, you know, it's bad news for opponents. Let's just say that. Man, this kid right here, I never even heard of him. But he, man, KD done started something. A kid named Shet. Hongering out of Minnesota, 7-1-190 center, uh, going into his junior year class of 2021. To me, he was a surprise player that came for me. Uh, legit 7-1. He averaged 10.6 points on 49% shooting from the field, 33% shooting from three, 77 from the line, 7.6 rebounds, a little two blocks a game. But he brought athleticism, the skill of a four, but the size of a center. Uh, he was a matchup nightmare. Defensively, he was agile enough to stay with guards on the perimeter using his left to bother their shots while being a very good shot blocker inside. Uh, the only thing needed for Hunger to truly be dominant, I mean, like top five pick dominant, he got to get stronger. You know, that's the only thing against bigger, more aggressive guys, they kind of push him around. But like I said, he just leaving the sophomore year. He got time. He just got to attack that. Uh, but he's not soft, though. That's the thing. He, 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 they tried to punk him and stuff, but it ain't work. He just kept coming. He's a gamer and isn't afraid to mix it up. He has 23 current offers. More going to come, obviously. Um, programs, Texas, Maryland, Kansas, among the others. So, you know, like I said, KD doesn't definitely start or something because the way he was moving on the perimeter, it was ugly. Uh, Jalen Johnson, another 6'8", small four out of Nicolet High School, senior going his 20, out in the class of 2020. One of the more versatile players at the camp. Uh, wasn't close. He, he's a triple-double threat every time he steps on the floor. 
uh, point forward player, you know, similar kind of what you saw, you know, Lamar Odom when he got with the Lakers, you know, stuff like that. He excels in the mid-range, you know, using size to get to his spots and knock down jumpers. Uh, and also is a good finisher around the basket. Uh, he's an elite rebounder for his size and a very skilled passer. And uh, the only thing left that's a weakness is, he, you know, you got to get get that three ball right. Otherwise, they're going to shrink the floor on him. But he has time to work on that. But he definitely has the tools to make a run for the league, for sure. Uh, Ian Martinez. Now, this one will probably, you know, wow a lot of people because he didn't put up great stats, 6'3", 175. Uh, Jay Sarah, Catholic High School, class of 2020. He's a Utah commit, but he was the best defender in the camp. Uh, solid, efficient offensive player, average eight points. He was efficient, 45% from the field, 41% from three, 95% from the free throw line, 3.3 rebounds. So when he shot, he, he made it count. But defensively, he had no peers. Um, I mean, as a play in the, in the championship game where a guy got a full head of steam, I forgot who it was, had got to the open court, had a clear lane to dunk it. He wound up to dunk. Martinez, all he did was pivot, jumped off the vertical, palm, and got all ball, saved the bucket. Uh, Corey Walker, 6'8", Corey Walker, that's who he was. So 6'3", guard going up off the vertical to dunk a 6'8", kid with a full head of steam going full court. That's what he did. Um, uh, ask you that same point I was telling you about with the vision and everything. He ripped them clean, went all the way, dunked it. Uh, his attention to de defending the ball, being you know, help side, versatile enough to defend multiple positions is what's going to get him to the next level, especially how efficient he is. He don't need a lot of shots to make him count. And one thing with him I like, he kind of he, – he takes pride in it like a Tony Allen. Like he got down low, he, he don't play around with that. So – don't be surprised if you hear his name coming like top two-way player in the draft very soon. Uh, Shaquille Moore, 6'1 point guard, Piedmont Classical High School 2020. Probably the most explosive point guard there. Um, you know, he averaged 10.7 points on 62% shooting from the field, uh, 3.6 steals. That's what I'm getting at. Uh, he's a two-way point guard. He's Because if it's explosiveness, he can stay with anybody. And because he's so explosive and strong, I mean, he 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 on some Nate Robinson stuff where if you're not careful, he'll bang on you, you know. So um, one thing he did the first game I saw him, he had six steals that game. That's how he does. Like, he gets after defensively. So two-way, that's his thing. Um, he takes pride in his defense, loves harassing opposing guards. And his two-way impact is something I know a lot of colleges will love. The only thing is get better at running the team. Once he does that, sky's the limit. Has offers from Cincinnati, Penn State, you know, Virginia Tech is in the mix as well. Uh, another kid, actually Jim Couch alum, son of a former NBA All-Star, Jabri Abdul-Rahim, uh, son of Sharif Abdul-Rahim, he's 6'7", 205-pound uh, small forward from Blair Academy out of Jersey in the 2020 class. Uh, he's just smooth, a smooth scoring forward, man. He knows how to play the game. How daily efficient can score from all three levels. Uh, can score on the move, off the bounce. Has a gift again to the free throw line. He can draw fouls with the best of them. Uh, for me, taking a notch defensively, kind of getting after it on that. And not saying he don't play defense, but really taking that challenge on and learning how to create for others consistently. You know, it, that's it. It, it. I mean, but honestly, right now, he's the real deal. Uh, he's got the NBA pedigree because of his pops. You know, he, he has offers from Arizona, Florida, Maryland, Kansas, among others. He averaged 17.3 points on 47% shooting from the field, 50% shooting from three. 84% from the line, 2.7 rebounds. So, you know, I already knew about him. So it's just confirmation that he definitely deserved to be among the best. Uh, Kadari Richmond is another guy out of Brewster Academy, 6'5 guard, 2020 class. Uh, average 11.6 points, 57% from the field, 
uh, 16% from three, 72% from the free throw line. Uh, he jumped out once again because of his two-way impact. Uh, it, you know, he's not as good as Martinez defensively, but he, he probably was second. Uh, you know, I like him because he, he plays more like whereas Martinez is better on the ball, he's more dangerous, you know, pay, playing the passing lanes, getting out. So you got to be careful when you're making plays around him. Um, in transition, he, he's, he's daily. He's, he's very fast. He can get easy buckets, and he looks to get fouled to get to the free throw line. Um, you know, he frustrated opponents all week, man, where they would just pick up the ball and just pass it off or <laughs> keep kind of getting calling the big man to set the screen to yeah. get him off of him. That's how ferocious he is on defense. Uh, he, he has a ways to go with his perimeter skill, uh, and obviously he got to get better shooting the deep ball 60%. You know, it's not that good, and obviously getting guys involved. Uh, you know, he has offers from Connecticut, Georgetown, BC, and Seton Hall. Uh, Mady Cisco, this is a big, you definitely need to keep an eye on another all-star, 6'11", 230 pound center, Massage Academy, he's a senior coming up too. High motor athletic center with the same length. Um, talking to some scouts there, they basically said he was a more athletic Matumbo. Uh, mm-hmm. He's not as tall, but he, he got he got bouncing. And it, it's serious, like, um, I haven't seen a kid at his age where, you know, he got the ball and drop step, and the guy time, they're perfect to block it. Another seven foot seven, I won't say the kid named that bird, so my <laughs> man cocked back and just put him in the basket like he wasn't even there, it was bad. You know what I'm saying? So he, he a dog, he, he, when he get it low, he's looking to dunk everything. Uh, uh, he runs the floor like a wing, uh, rebounds well, and is an eager shot blocker. He don't, get, he don't care if you in there, he's coming to try to block it. Uh, that additional plus for Sissoko, he shot well from the free throw line. He finished the camp shooting 83%, which is bad, which is, I mean, off the chain for bigs. Uh, once his skill catches up with his size, athleticism, motor, he would be nearly impossible to stop. Uh, he, he averaged 8.6 points and 6.3 rebounds on 68% shooting from the field. Holds offers from Arizona, UCLA, and BYU. And last but not least, another big man, local big man, plays for Boo Williams, seven foot, 225 pound center out of Norfolk Academy. Mark Williams, 2020 class. Uh, he just may end up, may, he may end up being the best center from this camp, you know, when, when it's all said and done. Uh, his offensive skills, you know, developing, but inside he's pretty good at finishing, strong. He finished efficiently. He shot 72 percent for the camp. Uh, another, another aspect I found refreshing: he plays within himself. He realizes he don't have all that, so he's not trying to out there to trying to show it. He sticks to what he do best, and that's why he's so successful. Uh, defensively, he's a presence all week, defending pick and roll coverages, you know, altering shots at the rim. Uh, he has a. The, the scary thing is, he has a lot of room to grow. Uh, the way he moves and stuff, it, you know, I don't want to put this pressure on him, but it kind of reminds me of David Robinson. The way he can run the floor, how quick he is in agile. When he had the skill like David Robinson, you know, David Robinson had the mid-range jumper. The way he had the post moves, and he already got the shot blocking. The sky's the limit. Um, he averaged eight point eight points, seven point three rebounds in four games, and uh, has offers from Duke, Ohio State, and UCLA. Mac. Uh, so, we're going to let you know before we go to the break. To head to FinestMag.com to get a little bit more about the MVPA. I finally said it right. <laughs> Top 100 credit. Um, that's crazy. And again, you know, as long as you've been going, I know you come back with a list of names. And I like it because those names kind of stick. And then later on, you watch college basketball, it's like. You remember them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. As soon as you see it, you're like, God, that was talking about that. Yeah. Remember that guy. Because there's a couple guys in this draft I remember you talking about. Mm-hmm. So, we're going to take a quick break when we get back a little DC United, latest Pitts League power rankings, and the good old 9450 breakdown, and the mock draft is on the way. You're watching the Focus TV.
Welcome back to the Focus TV as promised a great update on DC United. Still in the midst of this 25-day MLS break. That being said, as I remind you guys, last week, tomorrow is the day when they host Philadelphia in the fourth round of the US Open Cup. So get out to Audi Field. Um, should definitely be there. Look forward to uh, two teams that always, you know, uh, there's always some animosity between them. Should be fun to watch them go at it. As for the Pitts League, it is week two. So that's what occurred over this weekend. We're going to see if there's any movement in the rankings. So go ahead and check those out. And we'll talk to you guys about the 9450 breakdown right afterwards. All right, that is it. You guys just saw the week two power rankings in the Pitts League. All right, time for Jamal Hayward in the 9450 breakdown. This is the 51st installment. So he's definitely knocking these out. We're already on the other side of 50. Again, thank you, Jamal. And this week, breaking down a mid-post option, punch dribble into a hip switch. Again, mid-post option is a pump dribble, a punch dribble, sorry, into a hip switch. We'll catch you guys on the other side of break for our thoughts. We're going to run through this whole NBA mock draft thing, the entire first round, and then share a couple second rounders who might go to, you know, those contending teams that kind of sort of know what they're doing. Welcome back to the Focus TV. Shout out to Rodney. Let us know it's time to get back on air. All right, so this whole mock draft thing, um, I think we all know we're in agreement on the first pick. Um, actually, no. I'm going to say no. <laughs> this guy named Zion Williamson. Who was that? You'd be surprised. Um, no, no objections. We're good. Moving on to second pick. All right, Memphis. Ja. Ja. Ja Moran. Ja Moran. We're all in agreement. The third overall pick, the New York Knickerbockers. Octavia, your former team? <laughs> oh, yeah, shots fired. RJ Barrett. <laughs> yeah, definitely RJ. All right. Um, I went Darius Garland. All right, four New Orleans. No, hold on. We got time. Why you we go Darius Garland? Hell yeah. Okay. <laughs> Let's go. Um, it is nothing to do with RJ's talent at the least bit at all. Um, they need a point guard, man. I love what they added last year in Kevin and Mitchell. Um, to go with that group that they have. I don't think you can pass on the point guard at this moment for New York. Um, you, got a, you, got, you got some bodies at the position, but you don't have your guy. Um, I think if you got a chance to get your guy, you get your guy. That, that's, that's my reasoning, sir. Or am I with it? Support um, you know. position in the league. Don't think you should pass it up. But again, if they got RJ Barrett, I can't get mad at them. Do they do. New Orleans with their second top five pick, should they keep it? I'll take it. Um, if they keep it, I'm going to go with Garland there. Okay. Of course, yeah, go with Garland. Um, and, I mean, because he's talented, mm -hmm. but the injury history is scary. Yeah. Uh, and he's not a great facilitator. He, he's just a great shooter right now. So, uh, that's where, you know, just in case Zoe don't pan out, you got some insurance policy, especially with those dogs down there. You're going to need shooting because Zoe's not a great shooter. Mm -hmm. Right now, Ingram's the only one kind of proven. Right. So, got to see. All right, I went with DeAndre Hunter from UVA right there. Um, five, Cleveland, I tell you. I'm going to go with Hunter there. Okay. Cardell? Kobe White, need some shooting in the backcourt. That's where I had R.J. Barrett going um, to Cleveland because Lord knows they need it. Uh, Phoenix, good old sons, under, now under the care of Monty Williams, which I'm excited about. Monty. What you guys got going to Phoenix? I got Cam Reddish. You got Cam Reddish? Okay. Yep. I had Kobe White going to Phoenix. I do as well. 
All right, um, seven, the good old Chicago Bulls. Um, you know, Zach Levine, um, Otto Porter's out there. Uh, you know, what do you guys have been adding with the seventh overall pick? I got Culver. You got Jerry Culver right there? Okay. No, I put uh, Hunter, his ability to defend and hit the three. Uh, they already got their front court marking and uh, Wendell Carter, so uh, you don't really know if they're going to be sold on Porter. With that contract, so and you don't know what's gonna happen with Valentine and those guys. So yeah, I like him. Yeah, I can right there. Um, eight, the Atlanta Hawks with the first of I feel with so many picks that they have <laughs> in the first round. There's one of these young teams where you know you mentioned I think on Twitter a couple weeks ago that people need to pay attention to what Atlanta has cooking because there's quite a few. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't do bad last year's draft mm-hmm. in the least bit. They got some solid vets. And they got a chance to add to it. What you guys have going to Atlanta at eight? Well, I got Jackson Hayes. Uh, you don't, you know, Deadman obviously is not the long-term solution. Mm-hmm. Alex Atlanta is a backup center. You need somebody to kind of come in and um, help Collins up front, mm-hmm. and you know, Trey Young and Horter and, and the wing, and they had to guard backcourt. And then you got some wings that right now are good by committee. So that center position is definitely the, the weakest spot right now. I agree. I, I got um. Hayes there as well. Okay, four right there. I had, Joe, I had Culver right there. Um, that's because have, having a wing never hurts anybody, and they have several picks to address several needs. Um, in Atlanta, for Washington, what you guys have in the hometown taking at um, nine? I mean, I got Nazir. Uh, okay. Versatile defender, rebounder, can definitely finish. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he, he's, he's a worker. And with Brooks, I know he's going to bring it out on him. He'll be a jump. I say Um, I got to say cool. Um, I like I like his uh, length and everything, so I think that he'll fit in because I think they're still looking for that position. So it could pan out. Okay, for Washington, that's where I had uh, Jackson Hayes going. Um, front court, need an answer there. Don't know what's going on with Dwight. Um, Thomas Bryant, as well as he did last year, mm-hmm. not really a true five. And, you know, athletic bigs is Cardell sitting in the road. They got an opportunity if if that young boy is there to right or wrong last year, not addressing a very important need. Um, Minnesota, oh no, I'm sorry, not Minnesota. We're going to Atlanta again. Oh right? yeah. <laughs> again. So with the tenth overall pick, you guys have Atlanta taking. I got Cam there. Okay. Cardo. Seiko uh, Nubaya. Okay. Um, I also have Seiko going to Minnesota. Uh, Charlotte at twelve. Oh, you said Atlanta? I, I'm Minnesota. So who you have for Atlanta? Yeah, Seiko going to Atlanta. Oh, I skipped. I had Bobo going to Atlanta. Okay. okay. Sorry. I'm not here today. So, I had Bobo at 10. Right. And I had Seiko in Minnesota, which is what I skipped. So okay. what do you guys have in Minnesota so we can try to fix this? <laughs> I, I, I got Nasir from Minnesota. Okay. Right, Jerry Culver, and he's shooting in a bad way. Yeah. All right. So now I think I'm correcting going to 12, finally. Gotcha. Charlotte, what the heck did they do with what's going on there? <laughs> they need somebody sure. Um, they can count on, like right now, plug and go to work. So P.J. Washington, okay. skill big. I tell you. I agree. All right, I had this year going to Charlotte. Um, just whether Kevin stays or not, um, they can't afford <laughs> to keep you have. They need to continue <laughs> to collect dogs and outside. Uh, we'll want to peruse around. Uh, they could also take a big there, but we'll see what happens. 
Miami, for you guys at 13? Rui Hachimura, he, fit, he fits that, that Miami culture with Pat Riley like, so. I tell you. For Washington, uh, I'm sorry, Miami, uh, yeah. I got P.J. Washington. Um, I had Keldon Johnson from Miami right there. Um, I know they just made a little bit when they got Bam. Um, I still don't know what they're doing on perimeter at all at this point. We know they have Deion there. We know they have Justice. Uh, they have Josh Richardson. Um, but, yeah, I went Keldon. Boston with the first of, like, 18 picks in the first round at 14. Keldon Johnson, uh, just insurance policy, you know, Kyrie leaving. Mm-hmm. God, they can, you can control the ball a little bit. Um, and I think the way Brown and Tatum keep getting better and better, they they may not be able to afford them, so this can be an insurance guy. Okay, I tell you. Um, for Boston, I got Tyler Harris. For Boston, that's where I had Hachimera. Literally okay. for the exact reason that you just said, Cardell, if they take another jump like they did that first year, prior to what happened last year, it's going to be hard to keep up with. Mm-hmm. Um, Detroit with the 15th overall pick. Tyler Harrell, for sure. They couldn't shoot the three to save their life last year, and they won the worst in the league. So they got to open up the court for uh, Blake and uh, Drummond. Uh, for Detroit, I got Romeo Langford. Uh, I want to win with Detroit as well. I didn't go Tyler Harrell here. I went Kevin Porter from USC. Um, they just need help on like you said, they got Blake and Drummond. And what, the only one that can shoot a little bit right now is the kid they took last year in draft for Kennard. Okay. Um, so now we are at Atlanta once again. Hey, they're there again. At 17, who do you guys have going to the Hawks? No, Orlando, right? 16. I'm sorry. I'm not here today. Uh, I got Romeo Langford. Okay. They need, you don't know what's going to happen with Markel, unfortunately. Yeah. So we'll need another guard. Mm-hmm. I got Keldon Johnson, though. All right. I think we all agree with that they need another guard. Yeah. I also went with Romeo here. Like you said, we don't know what's up with Markel. If Markel can become Markel again, then having Romeo doesn't hurt. Because uh, we don't know what's going to happen with Terrence Ross. Yep. So, again, much like Boston, insurance policies are never a bad thing uh, at this moment. So, now that brings us to Atlanta at 17. Who did you guys have? I'm going to give him Brandon Clark. Why not give him another athletic weapon that could defend? Um, give Trey Young another guy. So, we're with Brandon Clark. I went with Goga. Okay. Um, I, also went with, I also went with Brandon Clark at 17 for Atlanta. We're now on 18, the Indiana Pacers. What do you guys have them taking with the 18th overall pick? Bobo. Yeah, I have Bobo there, too. Yeah, I'm in Miles Turner. It's a bonus. Yeah. That'll be nice. Yeah. Especially if the Depot come back too. Yeah. All right, so I probably went outside the box a little bit here. Um, I went with Cam Johnson here. It's because 6'8", we make him shoot the ball. Um, doesn't hurt in the in the least bit. And on the wing there right now, the three. Who's there? Thaddeus. And so that's, that's kind of why I went with Cam. I know we got that as a super versatile piece. Um, San Antonio at 19? Um, I went with Bruno Fernando. Cardell? Go, go. Okay. 
I went with Kabangale from Florida State. Um, I know I messed up his name. Boston at 20. I had Brandon Clark there. Okay. Oh, I got Kevin Porter. You got Kevin Porter there? Yeah. All right, that's where I have Tyler Hero. Um, OKC. And that's where I had Kevin Porter. Okay, right Bruno Fernando, give Adam some help up front. All right, I have PJ Washington going there. Um, 22, Boston yet again. Oh, look, they're there again. You guys, who are you going with? Nikhil Alexander Walker from Virginia Tech. Okay. Oh, Bo Buck is in Indiana. Oh, hell yeah. And you know, Wesley. And, uh, I'll be with that. You talking about with the camp thing? Yeah, that boy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for Boston at 22 at Eric Crash. Okay. I I think I had the same one you did, Cardell Alexander Walker, Virginia mm -hmm. Tech. Uh, Utah at 23. Yeah, they need vets to come in. They can shoot Ty Jerome out of Virginia. Octavia? Yep. That's okay. exactly what I had to. That might be the one everyone's in agreement with. Mm, they definitely um, need that. Philadelphia at 24. They need somebody that can get stops outside. Uh, I don't know if Jimmy's going to stay. He might roll. So <laughs> I went with Matisse the Bull. Because um, right now, outside, you know, if you, you eliminate Jimmy, then like the only one that can get stops. Yeah, yeah I agree. That's who I had as well. All right, that went for everybody there to Bull out of Washington. Um, Portland, 25. I, would, I went with uh, Fiondu Kamigile out of Florida State, 16 guy, underrated shooter, high motor. Yeah. Rebound, defend, they need help up front. Definitely, that's what I had there as well. All right, Portland, I went with Nic Nicholas Claxton out of Georgia. Um, so from poor depth for them. Cleveland at 26. I had Alexander from Virginia Tech there. Okay, Cardell? Uh, I'm going to give them, they need vets. Uh, Eric Paschal guys that come in out of Villanova, 6'7 guy. That's the guy kind of helped with that three, you know, small forward position. All right, I didn't go on over the water for that. Um, <laughs> Lucas Mencic, Croatian. Uh, Brooklyn at 27. Kid from Auburn, it was ACL, Chuma, Akike. Oh. Athletic kid, you can play a three, four, one, five. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's also who I had. I will butcher his name. So. Uh, for Brooklyn, I had KZ Apollo. Uh, I can't say nobody's name today. Apollo? KZ Apollo. Okay. All right, Golden State at 28. I had KZ there. Okay. Clay clone, Dylan Wendler out of Belmont. Sniper, 6'7. Like to defend. Clay going to be out. He fits. A heck of an opportunity for the young man, Dylan Wendler as well. San Antonio at 29. I had Luca there. Yeah. They, they like their um, overseas overseas players. He'll try. I feel like he'll fit in well with a pop scheme. Yeah, same thing with Luca. Same thing for me. Okay. Uh, I had Terrence Mann, Florida State. Um, and then 30, Milwaukee. I had Cameron Johnson there. They need shooting, man. Um, especially with Eric Bless, so you don't know. I'm going to give him somebody that can, that can give him some offense. Carson Edwards out of Purdue. That's where I had Goga at Milwaukee. Just with, uh, you know, they like the space around Milwaukee, like space around Giannis. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we saw the damage Brooke did as a five-minute space a little bit. Yeah. You know? uh, 
a younger guy never hurts. Yeah. He's good. <laughs> Milwaukee, where Giannis looks to be there for quite a bit. Right. All right, so in the second round, some names that people should be aware of. You guys want to share? Um, for me, uh, Darius Baisley. Mm-hmm. Uh, another guy that could easily sneak into the end of the first round. Uh, 6'9", kind of remind me of Scotty Pippen, 6'9", with the point four skills. Cameron Johnson, sniper, 6'8", out of North Carolina. Uh, just have to prove he can defend. Uh, Chuma, Kiki, um, you know, he might fall there, so I don't know. His injury is kind of, you know, suspect. But I have him going higher, but still, you know, keep even if he goes in second round, keep an eye on him. And Daniel Gafford, another big out of Arkansas, 6'10", does everything, great shot blocker. Uh, Daquan Jeffries from Salmon at Portsmouth, Tulsa. I think, you know, he's an underrated two-way player that can help. Tackle fall, 7-6, man. Like, you can't teach how you, man. Come on, man, you know. You know, I know they're going to nitpick him his speed, but he can help teams. Hell, he can, you know, I know the Wizards don't have a second-round pick. Maybe they can move wow. somebody and get him. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jalen Leck, kid came out of high school, out of Brewster, and Simon S.C. Staple decided to go to the draft. He's done talent. I saw him murder pros. He got. He's gonna need some time to get better. And kind of similar to uh, Anthony Simmons out in Portland. He's gonna need maybe a year to just kind of grow. But when he gets a feel for the league, he's gonna be ugly. All right. I also had Basley, um, Taco Fall, had Admiral Schofield out of Tennessee, um, Jumo Okiki as well, Grant Edwards, uh, Daniel Gafford, and that's what I have in the second round. Possible players that. You can bring in this because I like the productivity in college. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in the second round, the fact that someone they would uh, produce and sometimes just get better and develop in college is never a bad thing to use a second round pick on. Mm-hmm. You know, so they put the work in. So that's you know, where I was at with that. So uh, I'm going to take a wild guess. We're going to end up posting these. Oh, we can. I don't have to pick but we can. Might as well. Why not? Oh, Lord. Why not? All right. I want to thank you guys for tuning in. As always, get over to findismag.com. I'm on sports.com. Um, Thursday night for the draft, um, you know, follow us on social media, man. We got something going on on draft night. Mm-hmm. So uh, definitely tune in. And Cardell and I, we'll, we'll, we'll spend our draft night with you guys. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, follow on social media for the updates in that regard. Outside of that, we'll see you guys next week, same time, same place. Right here on the Focus TV on Blizz.fm and DCTV.